This is part 15 of For Your Discomfort. For Your Discomfort is a series of much-needed conversations that you can tune into live on Fridays at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via Zoom. Now, these conversations are designed to elevate the voices of those that have routinely been unheard and underrepresented. I did not set out to turn this into a podcast, but due to popular demand and our growing audience and the fact that I love you so much, I decided to provide the recordings of the audio. For all updates, please follow at For Your Discomfort on Instagram. And to sign up for our next Zoom call, go to foryourdiscomfort.com. But in the meantime, white people, step into the room. Uh, welcome to For Your Discomfort Part 15. My name is Bryce Michael Wood. I'm the host. And uh, I'm excited to be joined by Selena Kamel in London uh, this this Friday. Shouts out to y'all for waking up. It's West Coast time for y'all, so y'all are up at 9.30. But like, you did it. <laughs> yeah. You made it. And um, before, you know, before we jump into the conversation, I always want to start off with a moment of silence uh, in honor of and in reflection of the lives that have not been lost, but the lives that have been taken. Black life that has been snatched from this earth too soon. And so if you guys wouldn't mind me in taking a moment of silence briefly for the, the, the lives that have been snatched too early, all the black lives. You know it. Thank you for taking that moment of silence. It should always be longer. It can always be longer. And it's never comfortable, right? And, you know, as I say all the time, like, I don't take this moment of silence to glorify, you know, that loss of life. And I don't take that moment of silence to sort of stay in that. But I also never want us to forget, you know, why, like, what sort of sparked this, this next round of activism? What sort of sparked all of these conversations and all of the change that we're, we're so desperately seeking. Um, I never want to like forget like why I started calling out all white people everywhere. You know what I mean? Like it's because we've been mercilessly murdered for way too long and it's time to, you know, talk about it. Uh, I'm joined with Selena, Kamel and London. And let me start by saying this, it is not our job to educate anybody, white people. It is not our job to educate anybody, yet this conversation will be educational. The voices that you will hear today do not represent all Black people in the world, okay? They represent their own personal experience and their own personal uh, perspectives. But what links us is the color of our skin in a white world. I repeat, not our job to educate anybody. We do not represent all Black people in the world or in America, okay? Great. Um, for discomfort is education through observation of conversation. That's the last thing I'm gonna say. So let's let's get in. Let's let's get into this. Uh, we got some beautiful, beautiful, beautiful black people on this call. If you are listening via podcast later on, you missed out. Everybody looks great, and I'm excited <laughs> to get it popping into this conversation. Let's uh, start off with some introductions. Uh, Selena, please tell the people who you are, uh, what you do. Hi, everybody. My name is Selena Watkins. I am a dance professional. I'm a fitness professional, and I am the CEO and founder of Silkonomics, which is a global dance fitness brand. I have performed with 
some of our favorite artists. I choreograph. I'm a movement coach. And I'm a black woman. Yes, she is a black woman. Thank you, Selena. It's lovely to have you. Uh, thank you for taking the time and like figuring out communication and, and how we could get you a part of the conversation. Uh, appreciate you. London, what's up? Tell them who you are, what you do. You know what I'm saying? Give them a little intro. All right, all right. Hey, everybody. My name is London. I am 28, originally a Louisiana girl, but you know, living in the Bay Area, I do hair, makeup. I pretty much do everything, but what you probably don't know is I'm trans. I'm a transgender woman, and I'm very fucking proud of it. So, <laughs> God, look, I'm I'm so excited that you are on the call, and I, thank you for one, like taking the time and like talking to me this week, and you know. The reason you are here, and I am so happy that you are here, is my brother Kamel. Kamel, welcome back to For Your Discomfort. Tell them who you are, what you do. Say what's up. It's like Sister Act Two. I'm back in the habit, honey. <laughs> 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 what's up, everybody? Uh, my name is Kamel, and I am one. Um, I I like to say that I am a healer, and I do that at Soul Cycle. I do that via. This new business that I'm opening, I'm shamelessly plugging called MBS. Come on. We get, like, I'm an entertainer, speaker, I um, actor, activist, all that good stuff. And I have a nonprofit called Pro Foundation. That's how I met London that serves LGBTQIA plus a youth of color or every, not just youth anymore, anyone of color that is um, under the umbrella of uh, the queer family. Beautiful, beautiful. And like, I'm. I'm lit because of the everything we talked about yesterday that we're gonna get into. Um, I'm very excited. Like uh, I, I couldn't sleep again. Like if 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 you see bags, it's not age, it's excitement. Like I truly did not sleep. I'm like I'm ready for the tea. I'm ready to hop in. And so the first person I sort of want to help kick things off is Selena, and we were speaking about this idea of supporting all of you. And I would love for you to sort of go into a bit more detail of what you meant when you said that. Yeah, that was, that was so heavy for me because oftentimes when we're hired or put into spaces, asked to be in spaces, you're not truly asked to be all that you are as a black person, right? They, there's pieces of you they want, the culture, the music that you like, different things but not really who you are. So you have to water yourself down, um, hair options, yeah. how you speak, what your messaging is, um, what your personality is like, how, 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 how you speak, right? I said that already. It's, it's, it's insane how much we have to um, dumb it down. Ooh, I like, so when we were speaking yesterday, this idea of watering oneself down in order to cast a wide net that is something that i think is used in like the fitness world a lot that, that i know that was kind of the first time i heard that phrase of like please you know cast a wide net like don't pigeonhole yourself don't like have you really thought about what that means cast a wide net you know you're playing hip-hop music can you cast a wider net yeah and it's like okay we take it for what it means until we're like oh don't play what i love don't play right. what represents me. Cast Don't be too black. <laughs> don't be too black. Cast a net that makes someone else more comfortable rather than why don't y'all make me comfortable in a space that's all white? I'm the only black person in this space. Make me comfortable. Right. Make me comfortable. 
And that's what it should be. That's like <laughs> when when you like invite a friend over for dinner, you have like a, a significant other that you invite over to a family or a group of friends. Like you're expecting your family or that group of friends mm -hmm. to like make this person that you care about comfortable. And the same should be said for a company that hires someone that is not represented, that is walking into a, a predominantly white space. You should want to make this person that you care about and that you love more comfortable and you should provide the environment for that. And um, something that we've spoken on before is sometimes we do this watering down thing, right? Mm -hmm. To make people comfortable so that people aren't threatened. And what ends up happening is that it's, it threatens our authenticity as black people in the ways that we choose to represent ourselves. And that is definitely unacceptable. We should not feel the need to water down our blackness or become more palatable uh, in a setting. And somebody that, you know, someone that has expressed this idea of sort of trying to fit into various circles and fit into various groups of people and feel comfortable in those groups was when we were speaking with London yesterday mm -hmm. and this idea of inclusivity and I, I would really love for you to expand on what you meant by that so inclusivity what i mean by that when i say it is basically just being included you know i know that my experience as a trans woman in the world especially a black trans woman is like okay well i see everybody else in the room but where the fuck is my seat at the table you know, so it's like, it always comes to this point, especially in large movements and what I've seen, but what's going on with the Black Lives Matter movement is that, you know, there's representation, but it's so lopsided. It's like, okay, what about them? What about her? What about him? Like, you know, so. Okay, yeah, and when we, when, when you was talking about that yesterday, that low key, no, this high key stems from lack of education of cis men and cis women. And mm -hmm. like, just like before we move past this idea of inclusivity, like, please, Mike is yours. Like, what do cis men and cis women need to know from your perspective and your experience? Come on, Miss London. Ah! <laughs> okay, so honestly, from my experience, I, most of the time I feel very othered. I don't feel like I have a voice, even though obviously I have a very loud voice. <laughs> you know, um, I guess one example that I could give, um, and I might get ran over by the whole beehive by saying this, but, um, you know, Beyonce just put out Black is King. There's a portion of it, like, you know, it just praises Black women. But there's still a lack of Black woman representation, like, you know, i.e., like, it's beautiful as it is, where are people like me? You know, and then when it comes to, like, cis men, what I think cis men need to understand is, what I hear a lot is, oh, that's still a dude, oh, that's a dude, whoop, 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 no, I am nowhere near a dude. Yeah, I may have been born with a couple, like, you know, mechanical dude parts, but that doesn't make me a man. And the same thing for a cisgender woman. What irritates me the most is that a cisgender woman, whether black or white or any other color under the rainbow, they will intentionally, intentionally make it like, oh, well, you're still a boy. You don't understand because you don't have ovaries. You don't cramp. You won't have a baby. Like... That's discrediting every woman who is incapable of having a child mm. on her own. That's completely 
erasing the identities of intersex people who are born with a variety and a multitude and like a mixture of, you know, male and female anatomy. But beyond that, it's simply erasing and just like making me and my voice and my community and my people not heard. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, like you, you are a black woman. And like, it begs the question that we asked that everyone on this call sort of spoke to yesterday, like, do all black lives matter? Like, that's a very real question. Like, do all black lives matter? Or is it just the black lives that are convenient or that matter? Or is it just the black lives that are safe that matter? Which leads us to sort of like the next topic that Kamel's gonna expand upon. But like, this idea of colorism, we've like, like we've scratched the surface on this, on this topic. But when it comes to all black lives mattering, there is definitely a colorism issue and aspect to Black Lives Matter that I don't know that anybody has been willing to address when it comes to all types of Black people and all the various shades that we come in. And I'd love for Kamel to expand on, on that idea from your perspective. Well, I feel like, thank you so much, Bryce. Thank you again for having me uh, back. And thank you, Lenny, for being here. And th thanks to everybody that's tuning in right now. Um, colorism, I feel like we could have a three-hour conversation about colorism because it's, um, sadly, um, it affects not only the movement of Black Lives Matter, it affects um, the lives of Black people in general. And when it comes to white people or up people other than black people experiencing black people, they only see a representation of a certain type of black people on television. The first black woman on TV was like Lena Horne, right? And she's like lighter than some white people that I know, yes? yes. And so Beyonce is, Beyonce is my queen, but Beyonce is fair skinned and her eyes are light. So, the, so when I talk about colorism, I feel like uh, people have to acknowledge what they think or what they have been taught is digestible black. They can digest a, a black person that looks closer to the identity that they can relate to. Mm -hmm. And sometimes this happens with me. So I put colorism along with, um, I say it's a hierarchy or a caste system, like digestible black. Um, Light-skinned people are more uh, digestible. Gay black boys are more di digestible. So they, can, they have this privilege. I have this privilege. I talked about this last time where um, I got the, I got a black friend, but it's the gay black boy that you feel comfortable. You're not <clears throat> you're not threatened by him. Or I got a black friend where, where you have a mixed friend that you can identify with her white side, even though you still kind of are shady to her black side. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, just in general, I think we have to take a look, at, especially when people who benefit. And this happened. And I'm not trying to be, sh but this is this is real talk. When people saying. benefit from colorism and then try when it's convenient for them to call, um, um, to want to be like, oh, that was racist or, oh, that is this or that. Because I just witnessed this and I'm not trying to be shady, but I'm just trying to spill tea. I noticed at a place that I've worked where someone who never spoke up about black lives or never attended any meetings that had to do directly with um, issues at, at my workplace and I was there and all the other black people were there and then this person who be benefited greatly from colorism who barely even looked black not that that matters but if you have been riding the train of like I am black but I'm not and then you haven't said anything and now you want to say call a race call out racism it 
it, it not only um, shifts the focus. Tell me when I'm going over, because I can speak all day. I know, look. It shifts the focus of, oh my God, um, look at what's happening over here. They are racist. And it makes the people that are doing the hard work that are staying while you're sitting in the air conditioning, in the shade, and we're over here trying to build a foundation. It makes us look silly, because we're still here fighting. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We're still fighting yeah, for rights. I mean, you never yeah, fought for yeah. rights. Yeah, you're talking about, like, you know, racism when it's convenient for you. And like how that, how colorism plays into that. How well, like you. For me, yeah. The question for me becomes for white people, what, what is it that is intimidating? If you can digest a light skinned person, I want to know from today's white people, what is so intimidating about a strong black woman, a straight black man? What is intimidating? What? And everyone's going to have a different answer, but you start to really wonder what is this person's answer? What is that person's answer? We know what your grandparents answer was. Sure. What about you today? What is, your, what is, what the hell? Why are you so intimidated? I got goosebumps because when I moved to Texas and I had a conversation with someone and it was a heated conversation, they were sit, sit, they were sit, they were sitting and I stood up and I wasn't screaming. I just stood up and put my hands on my hips. Someone saw the footage of that on camera and said, Camille, they were a person of color. They're like, you are a black man. You cannot stand over a white person. With your hands. And I was like, what? They're like, you can't do that. You are a black man. You can't do that. It's like, you know, I I long for the days where these are the, the, I long for the days where like I as a black man or you as a black woman or black man, like don't have to like also like walk through the world with like different sets of rules and different sets of expectations that you must uphold in order to like survive in order to be taken seriously, in order to be palatable or digestible, as you say, like I, I long for the time where I can like have an issue, stand up, state said issue, and it not be a threat. And it just be me expressing myself. I call it an extra consciousness. We have to have an extra consciousness right. about like how we move to the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was talking, yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday and it's sort of like what you were talking about earlier about like having, the, like I have a black friend, but it's like my gay black friend who I think is safe. I was talking to a friend of mine and that even exists when there is someone marries into the family. And so now you have you know, quote unquote, black family that you never see, but like you have them. So like, if somebody like calls you out, that's your badge of honor. You're like, well, look, this is okay. Like you pull out pictures, like this is my family reunion. I got black cousins throughout the wazoo. Okay. So don't you call me racist because I have black people in my family. I'm incapable of it. I have something that, you know, I don't even speak on a lot when we bring it back to fitness yeah. and us being having this double consciousness. I remember having to go to HR. I was te- I taught SoulCycle for about five years. And I remember going to HR because a manager, a manager and I had a terrible conversation. And he was pretty much cursing at me, talking down to me. And I'm talking with my hands like this, 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 the yeah. conversation. HR watched the footage and said, you were the aggressor in the situation. We saw how much you were moving your hands. I said, was there audio? Was there audio? They were like, no, but because based on how you were speaking with your hands, we can tell that you were the aggressor. Had there been audio, you would have heard how much he was speaking crazy to me. Right. And that I was defending myself in the most, in the best way possible without cursing, but to be cursed at, to be told this, I'm that, you're subordinate. Yeah, it like, was like, it, you know, I had so many situations like that at SoulCycle. That's for one. Yeah, which leads Many. us 
which leads us to literally the next topic, which you're about to like continue to talk about, which mm -hmm. is representation within your workplace, which we've right. talked about many a time, but the, the the nuance that you brought to it yesterday is so important that we need to, to bring it up once again, because you spoke on being in, the only black woman in a space and what that looks like. And that's what it can look like. Right. No sound on camera, just you. We haven't seen it. All we've seen is this from you. Right. We have no other examples of what it looks like for to, to have a disagreement. Right. And because you're a black woman and the only black woman and we don't see it a lot, you are now the aggressor. But I, I want you to speak more to what you were talking about as far as, you know, representation in your workplace as a black woman. Well, I think a lot of companies, when they hire black, they often hire black men and maybe a mixed white, uh, mixed black girl and they fit the quota. So it's like, okay, so I'm not represented. And if I am, I'm the only one. And it creates this crabs in a barrel mentality where we know we're the only one, we fit it. And it's like, oh, sorry, I got the spot, sis. I got, and it's like, we can't do that to each other anymore. So when we see each other, I wanna see me in the space. I wanna see a manager. I wanna see someone in HR. I wanna see in every department at every level, someone who looks like me, not just a man because we know yeah. patriarchy exists as well. Absolutely. And not just a fair-skinned woman, because we know me and her don't have the same Black experience. And I want to take, take what you just said a step further. Not only do we want to see people at every step of the way, like on every level of a company and a corporation, but people that are qualified. Mm -hmm. um, so often we've talked about diversity and inclusion so many times. And, mm -hmm. you know, last week I talked about, you know, inclusion are the, like if you're baking a cake, inclusion is like the main ingredients of the cake. Like that's what you're eating. Right. And then diversity is like the, the icing and the little sprinkles on the top. That's like, look what we did. Like pretty, like all, everything is like represented. But when you bite into that cake, like that's, that's the culture of a company, right? That's the, mm -hmm. that's the meat of, of the culture of a company. And similarly, when you're hiring, when you have these diversity hires at every step of the way, I also need these, I need it to not just be a diversity hire. And I don't know like what that looks like. I don't have the answers on that, but like do your due diligence if you're a CEO or VP or president listening, like do your due diligence in hiring the black people that are applying for these parts, these positions, not just moving somebody that you already know is in the company to a new position because you already know they're a part of the culture. I feel like it's a last minute, like, oh, I need a black person, whoop, and then something right. then it exactly. ends up not fitting. It doesn't fit, you know? No, that fits my point, because even if you think about Beyonce is black as king, and um, it's people that are gonna write about it have to know about it and know the culture. So any article right now, any journalist co journalism company right now is probably scrambling like, ooh, who's gonna write about this? Who on our staff can write oh. about this? So now they have to scramble to find black staff to write about it the right way. It's like, well, right. if you hired correctly, you wouldn't be scrambling around to find someone who this story fits to write for, you know? Right. And that's happening to that's happened to me, especially right now in this movement. I'm sure it's happened to all of you. Right. People are like, oh, um, excuse me, uh, can you, uh, can you, can you? Uh, yeah, you didn't have anybody else. Like, I mean, I appreciate it, but like, why, why it's it's sad and I'm glad that we're acknowledging why is it so hard for you to find someone to speak about this or mm. have resources that are available for you to speak about this mm -hmm. or friends mm -hmm. no I mean like it's it's it's, it. it's the diversity hire every time like once this blew up once for your discomfort became a thing and like now my face or whatever my likeness is now in all of these various areas and like the following is growing now I'm being approached by like various companies and brands sort of on like a last ditch like hey 
love what you're doing. We would love to, and then step, you know, slap a sticker on it and be like, we did it too. Exactly. And you're like a good, you're a good image, smile, body. You make us look good. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like you make us look good type right. thing. When and we don't do have that. Yourself, keep doing it yourself. Stay right. independent, stay owned, yeah. trademarked. Feel me? All of it. And like, you know, I, on this idea of representation, we spoke from like a black woman in the workspace, but now I want to bring it over to London being represented as a black trans woman in all spaces. Like this isn't just a workspace issue, right? This is this is all spaces that you inhabit as a black trans woman. And I'd love for you, you know, to speak to the lack of diversity and the lack of representation. I think honestly, all of that comes from a lack of knowledge of history. When we hear the word trans, transgender, Oftentimes we forget that there are trans men, you know, female born bodies that transition into men. You know, you don't hear about that. You don't know about that. But honestly, in my research and finding who I am and how I can put my foot down on any type of sand and make my footprint, I found that trans is, it, it never was a new thing. The terminology might have just came around, you know, in the 60s but when we look into ancient history like i mean there's at least nine thousand years of us you know there's always been a third gender and especially when it comes to african people or people of african descent it's like one of those things where even today in africa they don't realize the lineage that we have as black people you know before colonization there was not a single country in Africa that did not recognize a third gender and or a person like me, you know? And th these are the things that no one understands. Oh. You know? take, it, take it like this. Um, some things that I found is that like in the 16th century in Angola, there are a group of like, you know, men who dress as women who are known as like male wives. They sit with the women. And, and vice versa, you know? And then, you know, like the openly gay king, uh, Mwangu, I believe, of present-day Uganda. Th this is all back in the 15th century. Whereas when you look at what was going on, you know, 1533, the English are killing people because they're homosexual. Yeah. All of that is a learned thing. Right. So, you know, when it comes to representation today, it's like, if you knew that you had that much history behind you, you would never be able to actually block anyone from saying, okay, well, why don't we have this person here? Yeah. You know, why isn't this person in the room? They've obviously been here throughout the course of history. Yeah. We, you know, me and my, me and my roommate, actually, we, for, I didn't know you were going to go there. And I'm like, this is God. So me and my roommate <laughs> this morning, I'm serious. Me and my roommate this morning, we literally were talking about how ideas of gender versus biology were like forms. And mm -hmm. like, and, and this is going to be way too much, but I'm doing it because you went there. We went all the <laughs> way back to like, like why the male gaze or male bias is what it is. Like why, like we were talking about sports initially and like why sports are the way they are for men, women, vice versa. Like we, we, we went deep, but then we talked about why certain things are in place as far as the sports we play. Like, why are these the things that measure strength, speed, mm -hmm. athleticism? And it's because it was from a male perspective all the way right. back in cavemen when like it, when your when your wife was pregnant you take care of her you go out and hunt who's the best hunter 
A, B, and C, and, you know, fast forward all the way to, to now and our views of, like, who is strong, what is strong, what we view to be strong. And it's because we were talking about, well, what if we rewrote that? Like, what if we rewrote that and we said, what if, <laughs> I'm not going to actually put his idea because he's going to write it and hopefully make a TV show. So I'm not going to actually do the whole thing. But what if that was, what if that was flipped? What if the perspective was the, the perspective of, of a woman? Like point blank, like from, from infinity and beyond till now, would, like, would we openly recognize the third gender yeah, like, 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 would that have rewritten history in that way? And then we also, what you said that sparked it is we said, what happened if colonization never, what would have happened if colonization never happened? Right. Honestly, I think that's really the core of it. I, I get what you mean by like rewriting history, but I don't think history necessarily needs to be rewritten in a sense, as far as it just needs to be taught in full, you know, anywhere we go, especially in this country, we're taught from a Eurocentric vision of what the world is and you leave out all the context of what was really going on at that time you know when we talk back to like ancient greece and ancient mesopotamia and all these places there's still things happening around the world in that point you know and then we bring it back to now yeah there was definitely a time where women ruled there was peace yeah a lot of people don't know these things yeah, yeah. You know? But the way the world is now, especially in this country, is all a very Eurocentric, evangelical, like Christian, white man view. And that's all it has been. A lot of sweeping under the rug, even with something as simple as MLK, people like think, oh, MLK marched and he got, he died and they don't even really tell, say how he died. Like, oh, we love him now. But they don't say that the country actually the United States of America, the government wrote him a letter to tell him to kill himself. Like, they don't, they don't talk about that stuff. Like, they were against him and then someone killed him. You know what I'm saying? And, and I mean, and something as big as MLK is not, the truth of it is not expressed or taught. It's crazy. But it's important, the same as the way that Black people, we have decided that we are going to find out the truth. White people have to do the same now. We know the true history. We know what lies were told and we know what's true. But why are we the only ones who want to know truth? Why are we the only ones who aren't immediately believing what's fed to us? We know what this country's built on. We know how manipulative they've been with history and facts and data. And we all, not just black people, have to dig deep to find the truth in all the histories of all the countries around the world, not just what they want us to think and believe. Facts. Um, facts. To make black people feel less than. The question. During our history. The question that I would have with that is like, oftentimes when black people tell the truth or the real truth about you know certain historical aspects, it is treated as conspiracy. Right. It's treated or received as that's just to make you know you feel better. That's just conspiracy. That didn't happen. But because the I know that the world and all of the United States, white, black, or whatever race you are, knows that history has been written through a specific lens. Like, we know that. We know so many things American left history. out. But why yeah. is it so hard to believe when, you know, a person of color or from a different, like, group is like, hey, this actually happened. And then the majority is like, mm, that sounds a little bit like conspiracy. Like, mm, I don't know if I can believe that. That's a little out there. I don't know that our country could do that. But it's like, but you do know that your country could go to Africa and get a whole bunch of people, put them on a ship 
half of them died right. and then still bring them over here and then have them work for you for free build everything let's right. not like mix words about that like when you, know you drive by bridges and buildings and landmarks and these iconic things like know the backs that that was built on like it don't like, don't play the game don't just accept that as like oh no that's just been there somebody built it like know who built that traveling the world to understand that when i was in cuba um to go to some of their museums and they from their perspective tell us about the different diseases that um were strategically brought there to kill their people and all the different types of warfare that america used on cuba it becomes more believable that aids was a weapon in the black community and that crack was a weapon within the black for the black community. So it's like, why, why would we ever believe this is conspiracy when other countries around the world know the facts of it? And um, we and just have to travel more and go to more museums. We as black people, we as white people, we as American people have to understand we are not everything. Yeah. There's a whole world right. around us. There's a whole world around us. We're so egocentric. I mean, like, <laughs> you have individuals, but collectively, absolutely. <laughs> and we got to ask questions. Like, that's the that's my issue. Like, if I'm keeping it a buck, like, that's what my issue up until recently was. Like, I didn't ask enough questions, right? Like, I accepted the various privileges and lack thereof as what the truth was. I accept, you know, there were certain things that I accepted along my journey of getting to where I am today, where I was like, this is true. This is not true. Don't believe that. I don't have any privilege because I'm black. And it's like, well, no, you are a black man. There are certain privileges. And no, you're a, a black man that went to this school, that did this thing. That Like, there are various things that have built me up in society in a way that have not built up other black people in my community. And until I start asking questions, I don't know that. And until white people and everybody in America start asking questions, you won't know that either. But on the flip side of asking mm -hmm. questions, I want to come back to Kamel and talk about white questions and white people asking questions in a specific way. Kamel, please expand on what we talked about yesterday as far as white questions. Okay, well, let's just get to it. <laughs> and the swiftness does not mean, the, the celerity is not offensive. I don't mean to offend, but it happened at the at the height of you know George Floyd's death. Like, um, I'm sorry. How? What can I? And I think the questions should turn into, I have this. How can I give you this? Or how can I share this? What? I have this resource. How can I share? How can I uplift your community? How can I uplift your organizations? How can I have donation money? Or I have um. Uh, uh, a check from this uh, grant organization that I can share with what organization do you think will benefit from this? The questions need to be specific, informed, and educated. Not, how can I help? Are you okay? Can I help? Like, um, we, we as a, and I don't mean to speak for everybody, but I know as a black man, as a black gay man, that I don't need to be, um, what's the word? Like, coddled. Coddled. I don't, like, I, 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 I my skin is thick. I will find a way through, but I don't need, I need, but I do need assistance in terms of changing things around, making true, I'm no longer interested in change because change will happen regardless of what we do. Your body will change if you do nothing. If you sit, your body will change. I'm interested in progression. So what can you do to help us progress, wow. not just change? So um, if you have resources, if you are a person that does tax work or 
bookkeeping or marketing or websites and you know the organization that is primarily serving people of color or black people then you have the you have the responsibility now mm. to offer those resources or if you have if you happen to be a person that does have um that can give generously when it comes to funds then you have that responsibility here if you if your heart is there then that is your responsibility now not just to show up and yeah. flood the, flood the inboxes of is everything okay are you all right because um mm -hmm. we had to we had to get we had to get over that a long time ago. long time ago two two things first thing what an incredible distinction between change and progress change is not necessarily moving forward or backward it is just it's stagnant but like it's it's going to happen regardless of you doing anything change happens but progress i literally say it progress is a process but it is moving forward like progress is is an action that is going to you know what i'm saying change happens over time you don't have to do nothing like change is gonna like if i sit here all day long the sun will go up and come down things will happen but i, I have not progressed anything so like that's the first distinction that I wanted to point out as, as far as what you just said. The second thing that I want to highlight is oftentimes the coddling and the care and the concern is not necessarily genuine as far as like your well-being. Sometimes it's making sure that they're doing, you know, the work like I'm doing the work for me to make sure that I've checked in on my black friend and like I, I did my deed. You know what I mean? Like this guilt that I feel, this pressure that I feel, this weight that I feel like everybody's coming at me with as like a white person. Like I now need to go write a novel and be like, are you okay? And no, I'm not okay. But two, I also don't need a novel length text and or email detailing how everything is not okay. Like that's not gonna change anything, nor is that gonna progress anything that stays between me and you. While I'm thankful for it, I don't, like you said, like, we, the skin is thick like i've gotten through before and i will continue to get through what is important is putting some action behind that concern what is important is putting some movements and some progression behind the this all of these concerns that you're expressing because that's the only way something is going to progress and not just change you can change my mood and my emotions i guess with your concern but you can change my circumstances with resources you can change our circumstances with forward movement and so i i, I loved you making that distinction it's like the difference between someone saying, if someone you love passes away and they like someone texts you like, yeah, well, like, I hope, you know, like, you know, it's gonna come flooding in, right? All those things versus someone coming to your home and bringing you a meal, you know? Like mm -hmm. that is just like, a, it's you, you put the work in for the progression of my, uh, my recovery from that. You I, know what I'm saying? I do, I do, like that's, I mean, I always go back to the, the massage metaphor, like as far as like what racism looks like in America, like when you never go get a massage and tell them to massage everything around the knot, but don't touch the knot, right? <laughs> and that's kind of how America has treated racism and homophobia and all of these thick knots that exist in the body that is, you know, the United States. We're like, we pull up to the, to the masseuse, you know, or the talk or like whatever diversity meeting we go to. And we're like, mm-hmm, I'd like a massage. Ooh, no, 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 don't, oh no, please. Just like get everything around the real shit. Like, just like, you know, whereas like when you get a massage and you want to recover, like you want them to put an elbow, a thumb, you know, like you want them to get in that thing, like get in there because I know I'm gonna have to go through this pain and this discomfort to be recovered on the other side of it. 
right? And it's the same when it comes to, to, to my recovery as a black person. And it's the same as it comes to your recovery as a white person in this conversation and in this fight and in the, in the responsibilities that you're trying to take on. It's gonna hurt. Like, it's not gonna be, you know, rainbows and butterflies and gumdrops. Like, this is gonna be uncomfortable. And what is also uncomfortable is some of the positions that white people seem to find themselves in when it comes to their fragility. And I would love Selena to sort of to sort of hop on. You better be sipping. She ready. Get 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 ready, and talk about white fragility. Sip tea, which is actually alkaline water. And it's unsweet. One <laughs> <laughs> alkaline water. Wow. Where do we even start with white fragility? Um, man. We start with Karen. <laughs> Karen. I don't, no, we don't start with Karen. I'm just saying, you know, with all the ways that we experience Karen, um, it's just exhausting. Um, white fragility, white tears, and it's not meant to make anybody feel um, like we're bad. We're coming at you. It's like this is what it is. Your your emotions are so fragile because of white guilt because you're trying so hard not to be a certain thing that you're not realizing all of the ignorance along the way. It's a spectrum, right? No, you may not be racist, but on the spectrum of ignorance, I'm gonna call you out on this item, or I'm gonna respectfully tell you about this thing you're doing, and you're so fragile in your emotions that you go crazy. You're t you're t One cry from a white woman can ruin someone's life literally say it again it's your truth versus mine so if i have the truth of what you did to me the moment you cry you change someone's life the moment you call 911 you change someone's life you have to understand the power that you hold this this like false sense of power because that's not empowering to use it that way yeah. you need yeah. to understand um how to flip that yeah. How to flip that, not use it for evil. Like in the world of good and evil, you have to understand that that is evil, what you're doing. To be so fragile, to not want to be stronger in your skin, to want to cry wolf, to want to imprison people, to want to complain about people. to That's evil in the world of good and evil. And we have a prime example of it. The entire world saw same weekend, same day, as, or same weekend as George Floyd with Amy Cooper. I mean, that was white fragility at its like, a finest, I don't want to call it finest, but it was like supreme, like that's what this is. Because, you know, Amy, she was in the wrong in the mm -hmm. space that she was in, right? Mm -hmm. And rather than accept being wrong in the space that she's in and made to be, I don't know, a fool or just like, you know, someone being like, hey, that's not okay. What you're doing is wrong. And that person happened to be a black person. In that instance, she recognized her power and her privilege and it was like instant like white tears on site calling the cops i am in danger and there's right. a black man who was endangering me and you need to get here this is of the utmost importance and this is a priority now that i am white woman crying and remember the woman who um called the cops because um the black family was having a barbecue where they weren't supposed to be barbecue becky <laughs> and it's That's like what they it's like, why, why are you so pressed? Why are you so pressed? So it's like, you're, you're creating a false narrative of what I said, how I said it, what I did, what my intentions were with your fragility. And it's, um, it's just not cool anymore. It's, and it's this, okay, so 
I think what's worse than an evil person, because you're really good and evil, I think what's worse than an evil person is an unconscious person because there are truly, there are truly no real, there are so few evil people that think, I'm going to do this evil thing. Like they, they don't actually. That. Well, no, 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 no. I'm saying what she did. She, she's, she's, she's laboring under the delusion of her uh, unconsciousness. Yeah. She, con- she, she felt, she felt weak, and her power was stripped away, and she wanted to empower herself, and that is a lack of consciousness. Versus like, like her, like evil people. Like I want to evil. Like I want to destroy you. Like she wanted to get her power back. Her, her mentality. Her mentality was, I want my power back. I want to express my power. Not that I'm doing something evil. But so for looking like say, that, I'm going to tell them, and I'm going to tell them you're African-American. She's conscious. She knows what she's doing. Don't play with Amy. She knows what she's doing. She knows what she's doing. Don't play with Amy. So, I'm going to tell them you're black, because you know what that's going to do, Amy. That that's is going to speed up the process. That is going to get them oh, here quickly. That's gonna be here. Right that now. is going to make you afraid. That is going to strip you of the She power. might be on the on the evil side, but I was talking about in general. <laughs> I was talking about in general, like conscious people. Like when, when, you, when we speak to the people that are listening right now, not that it's, our, again, not duty to educate. When I say that about lack of consciousness, I'm saying that um, you may not know what your, what your tears will do. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like you don't know what your tears will do. And it comes from the history of like, People say, Malcolm X said that black women are the most uh, unprotected women in the world because on the other side, um, white women are so devoutly protected. And it comes from the days where like, if somebody said that a black man raped a woman that he'd never seen before in his life, he was dying that day. So like, yeah. it's, it's still here, it's still here, it's still here. And so like the protection that they don't know that they, that they have not only privilege, but like, uh, well, they have abundant privilege with the protection. And the exact opposite for black women and black trans women. Right. Especially, I mean, like, and in, in what, what we essentially, the departure from white fragility and sort of how we move past that is, you know, the ability or inability in the past to listen, um, which is what's important about, you know, for your discomfort and, and you know, the, the fact that this is not a Q&A and this is not like a back and forth and, you know, this isn't like, how do I be a better like ally? It's like, no, just sit down and like listen. And what seems to happen in those in those instances where, you know, the white tears happen or white fragility is sort of uh, on display is based on these projections of personal prejudices and never what's actually happening in the moment. It's rarely rarely the actual issue is being addressed in those moments because it's nobody's listening. And in order to change things, you got to listen. And so I'd love for London to sort of expand on what you meant by listening from your lens. Well, when I say listening, honestly, we can always break down listening into basically four different categories. You know, you have appreciative thinking, you have um, comprehensive thinking, you have critical thinking, and then you have um, empathic thinking. What I personally believe is that the vast majority of people are actually in a critical thinking and listening type of um, environment where it's like you're taking in every bit of information that's given to you, but you're also putting that against like, you know, what you've read, what you've been told, what you're seeing. So in the end, what you're doing is actually concocting your thoughts. You're actually like, you're not even listening. You're just listening basically to Retort. You are, you're more to you. empathically 
listen, to, you know, comprehensively listen. Like the people who are here looking at this right now, you know, that's a beautiful thing. You're not trying to chime in, you're actually listening to what the issue is. Not for your benefit, but to understand and relate to the person who's speaking, you know, the person who's getting up there and saying, hey, this is my life. Nobody can tell you about your life except for you. So how dare you as another person, a Caucasian person come into my life as a black person, you know, and tell me that, oh, your experience isn't that bad. Like, oh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like, da -da 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 -da. no, you don't think it's right because you have this whole little cloud in your head of what you think the world is. And now the world has become exactly what your mind is saying it is because all of like, we have a whole group of people thinking the same damn thing and perpetuating this irrational thought that black people don't you, experience the world the way that we say we are experiencing the world. You just like, you just like, I, yes. Time to, <laughs> everything. You gotta break down the types of listening, okay? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you just like, okay. She did it. Look. <laughs> I, if my, I feel like, yeah, my girlfriend's on. Like, she, she's over here. She's probably over there snapping, like, yes, stop critically thinking when I'm talking to you. <laughs> stop, like, putting everything I say up against what you're thinking, what you've read, what you've researched, what you've experienced, and then reinterpreting what my truth is. And I feel like that's what, exactly what you've just explained when it comes to listening, especially listening in this season of like racial injustice and like, no, like if there's no peace, like no justice, like all of these things, people are continuously putting all of these things they're hearing up against their research, up against their experiences, and then uh, like redistributing what your truth is based on what like their life is. Right, and I think that's why we begin, like, from that, you know, people, like, white people continuously ask, well, what can I do? What can I do to help? Like, you know, what, is that really a thing? Like, da -da 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 -da, I'm in disbelief. I can't believe. Of course you don't believe it because you've never heard it. You've never taken the time to sit down and come out of yourself to actually hear what is going on. The noise has always been around you, but you've been stuck in your own white noise. Let's get the attic out your ear and open up and listen you know like that like <sighs> <laughs> keep going no you was on like you said right, and get out of your white noise like i was fired mm -hmm. you know i feel like i'm ready for the book london i'm ready for the book <laughs> <laughs> but no honestly i feel like everything that's been said like i can break down into just the linguistics of it all white and black when we look at the definition of white what white is is purity it's god you know the creator of everything the master of the world and when we look at black it's literally evil it's chaotic it, it's a mess you know so i i oftentimes actually even have an issue just saying i'm black because that's bringing on so many negative connotations to yourself but that's something that was given to us you know and to escape that is you can't even listen to your own inner self telling you like, hey, you're not black. You're this, you're that and other. And then when you try to learn it and you go out and you learn it and you listen to your own self, then you have the rest of the world telling you that's not true, that's not right, that's not what I heard. You know, yeah. hearing is the process or the function, the power of hearing a sound. Listening is actually 
honing in on that sound. There's a difference. Yeah, you hear me, fucking listen. Absolutely. You know, I like what you said about, you know, the word black and the word white, because what's important that we had to do that I think everyone in the world has to do is, um, again, that's a, that's a manipulative tactic that, that empowers white supremacy. White lies are not that bad. Black male is terrible. It's how they phrase white and black in the world to make us feel less bad. Oh, and better. we have to know that black is the most beautiful thing in the world. Melanin is one of the most prized possessions more than gold. That part. Pure melanin extracted from us is mm-hmm. what happens in the world. When little girls are kidnapped, little babies, let me, ooh, I don't know if I want to go there. You know, when it comes to human trafficking, the organs, the blood type, the melanin, these are things that are wanted. So if you make a people think that they are less than, they won't even see what's happening in the world with what is really valuable and who they are. So we really have to know that. And then when it comes to white and black, race is just a thing that was created to, again, empower white supremacy and the systematic racism that happens in the world. But all mm-hmm. the things that exist in between that, cultures, nationalities, people, ethnicities, it's more important than black and white. Something that, that made me think of with literally like hearing, listening, trying, like literally just listening uh, right now. You feel me? Like not even, you know what I'm saying, critically. Like I, I was listening and like two images popped into my head right now when London and then uh, Selena were speaking on like black and white and like just like the definition of what those mean versus what they have traditionally been. And what I can say from experience in like talking to my grandparents and like, you know, friends of friends and like family members is, you know, we always say we have tough skin, right? Like we're, we're so tough, like, you know, we're so resilient, which is true. Like, but when I think about what about, when I think about black too, think about it, like, let me put like a new idea. Black people or black skin, it's like a black hole, meaning we take in a lot, like so many things. And if you know the physics of a black hole, like if you were in a, look, I'm about to, I love physics. If you're in a spaceship and you see something go into a black hole, you never see it because life doesn't exist in a black hole. There's no light there. So what it looks like is something just stopped and it's just there, but you never see the thing disappear because light doesn't exist. And when I think about black skin being a black hole, so often people don't get to see the things that are actually, that we're taking in daily. The things that are impacting us and affecting us in very real ways because of our, you know, our strength and like our resilience. We take in so much, but it's not, we don't reflect that because that's not gonna help us succeed in life. We don't get to have quote unquote black tears that will lead to some form of success. Right, like we don't, we have to be strong, yet we take in so much hatred, prejudice, like we feel just as much, if not more. But when I was thinking, and then on the flip side, in this season, white, like when you were saying like white is like light and like God and like all these things. When I think of light, I also think of exposed and like we can see, like we see you. And like white people in this season, when when they hear me like white people and like everybody everywhere, like white in this season is light, but in the next, like it's an exposure. Like what? It's it's this exposed feeling of like just out here, like private, like everything is out and like we see you now. 
and we see the privilege that you've been operating in and we put a name to it and we put feelings behind it and we put research behind it and it's like this exposed thing which has led to our right white fragility but like that's when you when you broke those two things down i thought about black skin is like a black hole because nobody sees it and it seems like it stays on the outside and that we're unaffected when in real life when like in all actuality we're taking all that in all that I think, all that strife we're reflecting that oh go ahead london i'm sorry uh, yeah i think that's the most dangerous thing and i feel like that's exactly why we're in the time that we're in right now yeah we have for the longest time not really spoken up and said mm -hmm. hey this is what's going on this yeah. is what's going on but one thing I've learned over the past of my life, I'm, I could be pretty passive aggressive. I take things and take them and take them and take them, but there's always a tipping point. And yeah. that tipping point is always violent. There's no in between, you know? I feel like right now we're in a place where because we are trying to be socially conscious about it, you know, we're allowing that gas and that, that hatred that is built up inside of us that we, technically don't want to use like yeah i have a very strong distaste for caucasian like ideology but i don't hate you know but if we keep letting it bubble out just little by little and fixing it that way i feel like things might be better but because we have so much repressed like energy i do like another thing about melanin it carries information with it as well we are not just experiencing our pain we're experiencing our grandparents, our ancestors all through it. And like when people say like, oh, that, that was way back then and so on and so forth. No, sweetheart. My great, great grandmother was a slave. Yeah. That, that's a couple generations away. Like, you know, so it's like. And what you what you talked about is that idea of compounded trauma, which my boy James, he came on here. And he talked about maybe, I don't know, like part 11 or part 12, the idea that this trauma is compounded. And from his perspective, he was not only black, but he was gay and like growing up in the South and like already having these two things. And you don't get to come out the closet as black. So like that, that one, he didn't get to choose, right? He didn't get, he didn't have the choice on that one. But then when it came time to decide, like, you know, I'm coming out as gay, that was just another trauma. That, that and it just compounds and compounds and compounds and compounds and then however it is expressed in like that last moment like you know the last straw on the back is how it's yeah. expressed because it's compounded it's compressed that's how you know that's how bombs work like, Shakespeare said it like this these violent oh. acts have violent ends didn't he say that <laughs> didn't he <laughs> I feel honest, that's probably what like you know white people are afraid of if I think that white people think that if black people got into power, they would do what white people did to us. No, 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 we don't have time for that. <laughs> like we're too busy being great and making all of the things that we've made for everybody's comfort, except for ours. Hey, so I mean, we comfortable in our own shit that we make. Mm. I love so, that you said that because I, cha I challenge us on here and challenge everyone listening to to not feel so sorry for your black friends, especially all of you who consider yourself allies. I definitely don't want anyone feeling sorry for me or bad for me. So those initial text messages that were um, like, it, it, it was just hilarious. It was just like, I'm fine, I'm doing great. 
we need to understand as black people, we are amazing. We are lit. Whatever you want to define it for yourself, put positive words on it. Yeah. If for, for centuries, negative words were attached to that, we have to do ourselves a favor and put a positive affirmation to that. So you as allies, don't feel bad for your black friends. Understand that when you talk to your white friends, white family, like, oh, you don't know my black friend is lit. Let me tell you how educated she is. Let me tell you what she's done. Let me tell you about her mother. Let me tell you about her business. Let me tell you about this. So don't feel right. bad. And feel don't coddle feel empower. Power. Yeah, and take it and take it a step further. Let me tell you about that peanut butter you eating. Let me tell you about that flashlight you using. Let me tell you about that TV you watching. Like, let me tell you about all the things that you partake in daily that you had no idea came from the mind of a black exactly. person. Exactly. And the creation yeah, of a black person. Put, it, that. put the yeah. positive energy into it. There's this. This is not a negative energy space. Yeah. This is and like black is amazing, and the world is starting to wake up to understand how amazing. This is like the most perfect segue that I could, I could, I can't even write this. Uh, Kamel, why don't you um, close us out? And we entitled this Black is King, but really we were talking about, you know, Black supporting Black and just support for Black people in general. Black is King, obviously running with Beyonce's title, but you know, I like Selena said, we are, we lit, we are, we are majestic, we are royalty, we are the original, uh, like we, we can't, Everything came from, from the brown, right? And so on a biological level, on a historical level. But I want to say this, this, is, this goes for my black friends, this goes for my white friends, this goes for my purple friends. We need assistance adjusting crowns. And by that, I mean, I say it in a poetic way, do not feel sorry for me, like Selena said. Do not cuddle me, empower me. You see that I am doing something, how can you support me? How can you adjust to my crown? You see the sisters over here doing this, how can you empower? How can you retweet? How can you repost? How can you market? How can you donate? How can you, how can you adjust my crown? How can you uh, elevate um, the entire community? How can you uh, extend your antenna when you are aware of what is happening in the world? And like London said, we, we don't got time for no bullshit. Like, we ain't trying to hurt nobody. We're trying to make magic happen. How can you help us cast spells then? Like, if you see us creating, and I think that it's, I think that's our, our, our motherland gift is creation. And like, because we were the, I mean, I believe that that, that that is our thing. And if you see creation happening in all these ways, how can you be a part of that? And how can you um, contribute in an authentic, authentic and, and, um, genuine way and how can you how can you just really bring awareness to what you see your brown your black friends are doing and how can you contribute that's what i mean that's in like the that that part genuine mm -hmm. that's the that's the point that's the point of this whole zoom conversation that's the point of turning these into into them podcasts that's the point of the, the gofundme that's the point of the content i'm about to create on the heels of this like that's the point it's about genuine support and yesterday you said we can only win if we all win and i just want to expand that to like just like the world or the country right like we can only win if we all win right like we thrive and we are so much more successful when we have a team, when we have the right people around us. But what if everyone was the right people around, like around you? Like what if all black people, all white people, all everybody, every person in every group 
we're the right people. Like, what if we were, like, we can only win if we all win. And I just love that sentiment because that's the point. Like, I want people to have a passion for people because until we have that, then the change and the progress isn't genuine. It is, it's mechanical. The, the, the progress is, you know, quota filling. It is box checking. You know what I box. mean? It is bumper sticker-esque. It is like, I did my part. How many times have you heard that? How many times have you said that yourself? when you're donating that dollar to the children's hospital or you're donating that dollar at the cash register for cancer research. You're like, mm-hmm, I can do that. I did my part, but did you take that in? Like, and I'm talking to myself too. Like, did, was that real? Was that a conscious decision? Was that genuine? Was that a genuine dollar towards progress? Or did you just not want to feel bad that you were the only one that didn't click the dollar? You know, like, were you just confronted with not doing your part in that moment? Um, and that's like, I want to I wanna leave that as a question for, for us on the call in, in all aspects of our life and for everyone that's listening now and will eventually listen, like, are you doing something simply to do your part? Or are you doing something because you genuinely care and actually want to see the progress and want to live in the progress? I spoke at a rally last Friday, maybe two Fridays ago. I don't time. Anyway, I spoke to, to this idea of what I want for my kids and my kids' kids, right? Like, I don't have kids. I don't know when that's going to happen. But I don't want to have the talk. I don't want to have to have the talk. I know I'm going to because of the world I live in. But I'd love for my children to not have to have that talk with their children. I'd love for that blissful ignorance to exist for everybody. I'd love for my Black kids and my Black grandchildren to be innocent a bit longer to have that sense of childlike wonder a bit longer and not have the responsibility of their complexion thrust upon them. The quote I had was like, there are consequences to the color of my skin, right? And that in and of itself is a responsibility that you just take on once the talk is given to you. When you now when you leave the house, it's like you are a black man, a black woman, you know, whatever, like these are the responsibilities. This is how you come home safe to me. And what I want through these conversations is for people to gain a passion for people. The whole point of this is to humanize people and to take us away from being like a percentage, to take us away from being a statistic, to take us away from being a movement and being like moving, living, breathing human beings that you actually care about and take seriously. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful for Selena, Pamel and London for lending their voices and their perspectives to this much needed ongoing conversation. Um, I mean, we did it. I mean, we, we, we talked about all the things in a very cohesive and coherent way. And uh, I'm proud of today's conversation because it was beautiful. Like, I, look, I, I learn every single time, every single conversation, as much as I'm talking and filling in the blanks and doing all the connections and the moderations, like I feel like I'm truly, I, I grow every single time. And so like, thank you. Selena, Kamel, and, and London to contributing to not only my growth and my progress, to the, but to the many people that will listen to this after. Before we hop off, uh, the GoFundMe is up. I think we're at like 12,000. We're trying to reach 15, so please continue to donate, share, uh, like, follow the things, follow these beautiful people on here. Um, and white people, step into the room. Like, keep, keep showing up keep listening keep you know using your resources keep look and like i haven't said it today yet but here it is keep making mistakes like stop tiptoeing like i'm done we're done i'm tired you should be tired it's tiring 
to be on your tiptoes. Like, just like think of that in a physical, literal sense. Like, how long can you stay on your tiptoes before your calves are like, you know what? Can we just, I don't know, be flat-footed in something? Think about what I just said. Can I be flat-footed in my truth for a second instead of tiptoeing around all these? Ooh, can I be flat-footed in my truth? Trying, to, trying not to make mistakes. Like the water, like the floor is lava. Like, look, the floor is not always going to be lava. You'll burn yourself. Figure out the part that's not going to burn you, but don't just like only tiptoe. You know what I'm saying? Your calf's going to be strong, but you can't keep it up. You know? Can I Take add it. one final thought? Of course. That, um, I really hope that everyone on this call really takes the time to study cultures of the world without yeah. needing to appropriate them and without needing to capitalize on them because the world is not as black and white as we think. The world is so cult, so so beautiful in all the colors of the world represented in all the countries of the world so when you see your black friend it's not just a black friend they might be a beautiful brown-skinned person from colombia or a beautiful brown-skinned person from antigua or a beautiful brown-skinned person who happens to be american it's not just about the color of our skin it's not just about race it's about cultures so you i want you to love all of us because camille you were saying our motherland gift it's also love so what we're asking from the world is to find love, to accept us, to accept us for our differences, find the differences in you so we can not compare and contrast, but appreciate. Mm. You better say that. Please, please get, get, get cultured, get your hands dirty, get your feet dirty. Make, mm. say the wrong shit, say it wrong and say it loud and then get corrected and don't be offended. Like, say the wrong, like, let somebody be like, actually, I'm they, them, there. And you're not like, well, I don't, uh, that's, mm. Like, just be wrong. Be wrong. It's fine. It's going to be fine. That's the only way you learn. I'll say it every single time. You don't know the stove is hot and that it burns until you touch that shit and go, cool, 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 cool. Ouch. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I knew they told me that that shit was going to burn, but, mm. I still needed to know for myself. You know what I mean? Like they told me if I drank too much, I get a hangover, but I'm invincible. So I do what I want until you get that hangover. You're like, okay, now I know <laughs> what I need to do. You know what I'm saying? Like it's the same for these conversations. It's the same for these topics. It's the same for your fears and approaching a topic. It's the same for your fears of being politically incorrect. Again, you can't stand your tiptoes forever. Eventually, you're going to have to be flat-footed in something and, like, start. Start today. You know what I'm saying? Or whenever you listen to this, start. Like, make the mistake. Or And for my actors and performers and singers, you're not going to know you can hit that note till you just, like, go and try. And your voice going to crack, and you're going to go, ooh, Jesus. You know, like, okay, all right. Maybe it went out, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you're not going to know, though. You might, you could be, like, playing yourself so hard, like, you know what? I'm just, I'm a baritone because my voice is deep and that's what it's going to be no matter what. Like, just like, that's what it's going to be. I'm never going to try to be a tenor because I just know I'm afraid. But meanwhile, you got your Luke Jameses of the world and you have your John Legends of the world and you have your Luther Vandrosses of the world and your Marvin Gaye's. People that said, you know what? I got it all. I got the whole... Thing. I had to try some shit. I had to be wrong. I had to be hoarse. I had to let my voice crack a couple times, but eventually I got there and I, and I have faith that we will all get there too. 
Don't be afraid. You don't have to be perfect. Let's just be present in this. And uh, before we get out, please, everybody, say goodbye to our people. Bye, everybody. Thank y'all so much. Thank y'all. Thank you so much. I hope you guys learned so much and um, can apply it. All right, and thank you everyone for showing up and allowing me to give my voice and to have a space to actually hear beautiful stories and beautiful things and spread all this positivity. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank have you all so much. Thank you all so much. Uh, have a good rest of your day. Part 16 will be next Friday, 12.30 p.m. EST, 9.30 a.m. PST. There's some CSTs in between. I don't know that breakdown. Uh, but uh, podcast will be out on Monday. And hit that GoFundMe. Follow us at For Your Discomfort. And I think I said all the things I need to say. Uh, love y'all, man. I'm so appreciative, seriously. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye, y'all. Bye. Thanks for stepping into the room. That was a lot, but it was also pretty great. You got this. Remember, it's not about being perfect. It's about being present. Keep leaning in, keep listening, keep learning. And I'll see y'all next time.